1: to rough end into a volatile week of stock sending a month long win streak in a big way today the S&P is seeing its biggest one day drop since June but with Jackson Hole around the corner and a new slate of earnings on deck how should you position your portfolio plus a meta meltdown morgan stanley giving the facebook parent a big price target cut today so where is the stock going now we turn to the chart master for some answers and later believe it or not there were a couple bright spots in today's otherwise cloudy market. will tell you what's behind the big up moves in Oxy and Foot Locker and bringing the trades. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live from the Nasdaq market Site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Steve Grasso, Tim Seymour and Julie Beal of Kane Anderson Rudnick. And we start off tonight with what else? to see of red on Wall Street to close out this week. Major industries all taking it on the chin, with the Nasdaq tumbling 2 percent. Both that index and the S&P 500 snapping four-week winning streaks. The biggest laggards today include tech, retail, And meme stocks All this action as Wall Street goes back into FedWatch. Central bank officials convening in Jackson Hole next week. What do you make of the moves today, Steve?
2: So the the, the way you frame this market is it's about inflation, it's about the Fed, it's about earnings. Mm -hmm. It's probably in that order, I would say, that I want to frame the market, which means that you have the ability to run in the market, which we did. Now it's time to take a pause. So we got back most of that sell-off or half of that sell-off. Now it's time to maybe throw out a couple of the shorts again, see where we lie. Middle of September, I think people feel maybe bullish to neutral, but I think earnings and margins are going to come into play. We'll get that backdraft in the market September, October. Midterms come about. And I think that's going to be a tailwind of the market going into the year end.
1: Right. Um, you know, Julie, what struck me is this week we had a lot of hawkish Fed talk ahead of Jackson Hole. And um, Fed Chair Jerome Powell speaks on Friday morning. So, of course, everybody's going to be uh, listening to that. And all he has to do if he wanted to set this market straight is open his mouth and be hawkish. And then things just automatically become crystal clear to investors. How do you think, um, you know, the markets would react to that message coming from the Fed chair?
3: Uh, You know, typically, it's a temper tantrum, right? Because what we're looking for is the easy money that we've all gotten completely addicted to. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again, the Fed has a wife and kids, and that's inflation and employment. And we as investors, we're just the mistress or the side piece. And so it's, (laughs) it's much more important that they handle that and i think looking at the data employment is still very strong inflation while getting better is still also very very high and i think that that's going to be their focus right they were already caught flat-footed and they don't want to make the same mistake twice
1: julie never fails to deliver on the on the metaphors tim uh, how do you follow an act like that
3: yeah. <laughs> well I, I, if only
4: my wife and kids were that easy i guess is what i'd say <laughs> um and, and so you, you, we we have a dynamic with the fed that i think coming out of those fed minutes and the commentaries you talked about i mean even even a, a kashkari who is an uber dove is trying to sound hawkish and i think what was notable about the minutes, and I think I would define this week as a, a Fed that didn't want you to believe that pivot means anything close to, to easing, mm-hmm. and that, in fact, if anything, um, restrictive is the right word, and for longer, and on hold. And, 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 and I think our, our ultimate guide on the Fed has to come from the market. It has to come from Fed Fund Futures, and somewhere between April and June next year is where we're peaking, somewhere around 360, and, and then we start to pull back. Now, many things can change, and those numbers have been changing. But but the Fed better be hawkish next week. Um, and as Steve pointed out, and as I think we're all outlining, as we've said on the show for a couple of weeks, the rally is a function of better inflation, maybe even uh, gas prices lower at the pump or a bit of a tax cut, etc. But uh, the dynamic that is mostly about positioning and sentiment. Uh, And after a a 29% move on semis, they pulled back 5% or so in in a couple of days. Not that big a deal, although Carter's going to talk about, as he always does, maybe not today, but key technical levels for the market. Um, I think you have a case also you had an options expiry uh, into today. Uh, I think that could set you up for a little bit of a downward bluster even on Monday, because I think the street, if anything, um, was trying to push down volatility over the last couple of weeks. And I think that will not be great for stocks as we start next week.
2: The right. Fed has to be hawkish. Sure. Make, make no mistake about it. They have to be hawkish, right? But, yeah. but what they're going to do. So in September, they'll probably move 50 basis points. I don't think they'll move 75. That will be seen as bullish for the overall market. 50. Mm-hmm. 50 basis points. But the only way that we don't go into a recession is if they fail. They stop too soon. Uh-huh. So if they don't, they always... Push it a little so too, the side effect too of far. a
1: successful anti-inflation campaign, in your view, is it has to a, be a recession. recession. It they has, has to, to be a recession. They
2: have to squash mm-hmm. demand. So in, in its definition, they have to squash the demand so much so. But the problem is we have a supply chain issue that's on top of this environment that we're in right now. So they risk the, uh, the ability to push us into a recession mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with why we're here.
1: The more we think about a recession, though, the more the market can believe, Tim, that there is a Fed pivot on the horizon in 2023. And I was having this discussion with Steve Leisman this morning where the Fed and the market seem lined up in terms of direction of rates to the end of this year. And then next year is where the disparity begins because, uh, you know, the Fed is basically saying don't think of a pivot. We're going to stay, as you mentioned from the minutes, sufficiently restrictor for a long time. Right. But the market is pricing in cuts. And so it seems like the market is saying, you know what, what the Fed is going to do will probably put us in a recession, which will then cause the Fed to actually pivot. I don't know what your take is on that. That's,
4: <laughs> that's what the market's doing. Well, we, yeah. we've been bred on, and we've been born and raised back to the family analogy on on this one. Um, this is this is the food we've eaten at the dinner table for the last 13 years. And, and I don't see why the market's going to expect anything different. I, I, I am concerned that. Uh, the Fed you know deviates from its course which is to get in control of inflation let's not forget that today we got a 33 percent inflation uh, number a CPI number in Germany uh, mm-hmm. up you know five percent or so on the month up 33 to 34 percent on the year these were higher than expected and I know we think this is just Europe's problem but I don't think it's as simple as saying that uh, inflation issues are contained regionally and that we're suddenly uh, going to see you know a total tailwind from the world of inflation I think we have to watch out for that. But um, I agree. I I think the market doesn't know where the Fed's going to be next year because the Fed doesn't know. And and that for equity should be a little bit unsettling. But um, the market has gotten comfortable and believes that this is a Fed that might have a Fed put. And we've talked about that, too. I I, I just don't see the Fed put here if they're doing the right thing.
1: Julie, do you think that do you think that going to the end of the year, we will see an opportunity to rally? I mean, do you think that there's an element of seasonality as we push through, you know, the September hike that there will be some feeling of, I don't know, bullishness going to end of year?
3: It's strange, right? Because everything kind of pivots around the consumer. And if the consumer has a good holiday season, then we should be in good position for next year. My concern right now is there's just too much inventory that's coming. It's already waiting on docks and it doesn't actually have demand to support it. Warehouses are completely full. They're not even taking delivery of certain supplies. And half of the stuff that's out there waiting is stuff that was for the summer. And so it's not even going to be hitting at the right time. So I'm pretty concerned about the health of the, of the consumer. It looks like it's a pretty mixed bag if we look at retail earnings this week, and we have more going forward, too. But I just wonder, you know, if the, if the retail segment really starts to falter, what does that mean for business confidence overall, right? They're not divorced from each other. Right. Let's uh, turn
1: now to Meta shares dropping more than three point eight percent today after Morgan Stanley slashed its price target for the Facebook parent to two twenty five from two eighty. The stock underperforming its Fang peers by a wide margin. But where is it going from here? The chart master is here to give us his technical take. Carter Worth of Worth Charting joins us. Carter, what are you looking at?
5: Yeah, let's try to figure it out. So, in the case of Morgan Stanley, the reduction in the price target is coming in line with the street. Right. So, there's some sixty analysts the highs and lows are all over the place but the the average price target is 223 so reducing down to 225 puts uh, Morgan Stanley in line with consensus um the funny thing is of course the price target was 400 on the street january here we are now 223 so what do we do let's look at the charts first chart a long-term chart all data chart it was a friday the ipo it was may 18th of 2012 so just over a decade ago it came out at 38 bucks And only just recently has it broken trend. You can see it there, it broke its all data trend, dropping 59%, but it's fighting hard here not to continue lower. And ultimately I think it is bottoming. Let's look at a little shorter term. This next iteration picks up the COVID low and puts it in relief. The COVID low was 140, 137 to be exact, and the stock keeps fighting at 150 plus or minus. And uh, I think that's important day-to-day action. The last two charts are identical. The first of the last two is it just simply in a downtrend and we will go to the covid lows and continue lower or another way to draw the lines last and final chart are we basing and bottoming that's what my eye sees I think that uh, money uh, you need capitulation like this you need price targets that are too high coming down and that ultimately uh, meta Facebook whatever you want to call it is is something to be bought here not sold.
1: Carter, thanks. We'll see you in a few minutes for options action. Let's trade this. It's always great to get Carter's take, and I love when he says, let's figure it out together. Let's turn the chart. I mean, like, the charts have every single answer. Um, The fundamental side of of Meta, though, is is sort of an interesting dynamic, Julie. I mean, you've got the core business, which is declining. You've got a growing uh, new business, Reels, which is harder to monetize. And you've got this amorphous thing that it's spending billions of dollars on called the Metaverse, and it's got about a 17 forward P.E. So Carter says he thinks it's bottoming. Where do you think the stock is
3: you know i I think a lot of it depends on what the earnings are really going to be at the end of the day this is a media company right it sells advertising against content the content's just user generated and to the extent that it is not able to do that as well that's a problem for the fundamental earnings and to the extent that they are head down deciding to plow a ton of money into a metaverse which still doesn't have a very clear business use case for us, fundamentally, it's still a problematic company. I think regul- like regulation is still something that's a fundamental risk to this business because of all the practices that you know, we continue to hear about that have been so negative. So for us, we're gonna continue to stay on the sidelines.
2: You know, when you, when you look at the charts, as, as uh, Carter just said, if you look at a year chart, it looks like it's bottoming. Mm-hmm. It looks like 157 is supporting the name. You look at a three-year chart, you have to go back to COVID low, as he said, 137. But as Julie just said, they don't know who they are. So how can I invest in a company who doesn't know who they are and is spending a ton of money to figure out who they are? They're seeing a, a, a therapist every week trying to figure out who they are, and that therapist costs them a billion. How can I invest in that company but, that but, doesn't but, understand but they what they're doing? But they
1: ticker to Meta, Tim. They know who they are, right? I say <laughs> facetiously. <laughs> well, what do you I, think? I mean, the, 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 the,
4: the only good... Yeah the only good thing about the change of the ticker to META is is that we're now at least expecting uh, less in the way of spend than we did when they first talked about this and said they're moving aggressively because we all understand that they, that that's not the exciting story in the near term if anything this this Morgan Stanley downgrade was I thought a glass half full um, because I, I think if anything they're talking about upside from reels they're saying four and a half billion uh, in 23 but it could be over 10 billion they're talking about you know OpEx which is growing more slowly than it had and I think this whole meta Pivot. Let's use that word. Um, is one that that I think Facebook has been trying to. Uh, I'm not saying they're they're trying to, to downplay this, but I, I do think that they are trying to show uh, that they can actually be in control of costs. Mm-hmm. And I think Morgan Stanley emphasized that there's a lot of bad news in the price, All but right. getting down to 225. And you know Carter pointed out where the street is on this, and that is important. And just to be clear on Carter, if if you can't feel relaxed and comfortable listening to Carter on a setup Ooh. when you're seeing a Monet painting behind him, I almost feel like I hear classical music. Music playing whenever he opens his mouth. So um, I, I'm listening. to him. I heard a basing there. I actually added to some Facebook uh, about two weeks ago just into those numbers. Didn't feel great about it. And let's be clear. Facebook's only 7 percent off of the low of the market when everything else is probably up 20 to 30 percent. And it tells you that the market is still struggling with the story.
1: I think Carter should do books on tape personally. Um, Coming up, a double dose of tape toppers on this otherwise down day. We'll dig into the headlines that sent shares of Occidental Petroleum and Foot Locker soaring today. And later on Options Action, turbulence ahead. Airline stocks have been under pressure this week, and the trouble could only just be starting. We've got a trade to protect you from any rocky ride. Don't go anywhere. More Fast Money right after this.
2: Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors.
5: Is a brighter future
2: possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
0: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a double dose of stocks topping the tape today, starting with Occidental Petroleum. Shares surging almost 10% after regulators gave Berkshire Hathaway approval to take up to a 50% stake in the energy stock. Berkshire already owns uh, more than 20%, which allows the company to report some of Oxy's earnings as its own. Julie, what do you think of Oxy?
3: You know, it's interesting positioning for the business, and I think obviously we're trying to see if we're going to be in any kind of up capital cycle which really gives them more visibility into earnings longer term, which is hard in commodities. Um, I never bet against Warren. I feel like he always has way more information than I do. So I, you know, I think it probably makes sense. All
1: right, let's move on to Foot Locker. Also topping the tape today, shares soaring 20% after reporting better than expected earnings and a leadership shakeup. The retailer saying former Ulta CEO Mary Dillon will take the reins on September 1st. Bank of America upgrading Foot Locker on the back of that announcement, calling Dillon's appointment a quote, thesis changing move. Put Locker's gain was its biggest since 2017. Grasso, you've been looking at the chart.
2: Yeah, so when I go back to February, there was a gap lower in the charts, and the, the level that it has to get back to is 41 and a half. And today, after this monstrous run that for one month the stock is up over 40%, it stopped short of that level. That means there's a ton of resistance at that price point. So I would say take some profits until it breaks through that level, 41 and a half.
1: Tim, uh, Mary Dillon was a rock star at Ulta.
4: Absolutely, rock star. I mean, Mick Jagger, three times revenue, tripled it in the course of 10 years, well into their loyalty business, really got them uh, got them into retail and distribution that they wouldn't have been. And, and I think the story for Foot Locker, that change in thesis is that Foot Locker, first of all, less reliant on one core vendor, i.e. Nike, uh, less reliant, uh, I, I think, on brick and mortar malls, et cetera, and really moving a lot more towards DTC. So um, they, they still have a lot of work to do. Uh, but let's not forget that the numbers that came out here. These are the best annual sales since 1994. I know it was a pull forward from COVID that they, you know, they were expecting, but um, this is not a broken company. It is a company that still has something to prove. And this is the right person for the job.
0: All
1: right, coming up, Zoom, Peloton, and Nvidia. Oh my, those are just some of the names on deck to report earnings next week. And we're asking the traders which ones can give us the real read on the markets. And be sure to stay tuned 6 p.m. for a CNBC special, Battle for the Consumer. After a big week for retail, we'll dive into what is next for the sector and how companies are fighting to keep customers coming back. You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq Market Site in Times Square. We're back in two. We're watching shares of Bed Bath & Beyond move sharply lower in the after hour session, down 6%. There is a Bloomberg report right now that some suppliers have halted shipments to Bed Bath & Beyond due to unpaid bills. Several credit and financing firms have also revoked coverage, according to this report. We're seeing the stock uh, react immediately to this. And so the plot thickens here, Tim, because there's a real question as to whether or not Ryan Cohen was privy to material non-public information when he sold his entire stake in the company because he put in some board members, and now this report comes out. Not Uh, sure if it's related, not trying to connect those dots, but the timing of this is fascinating.
4: Well, that's what we've been talking about all week. And and I can't speak to that. I can only say that that pushing very hard for three board directors of of which he has influence, or at least certainly he's appointed um, at a time when he was getting seemingly very involved as an activist in a role that activists often do. And that's not just their uh, role as uh, buying the stock. So um, what a wild week. I I think the stock probably is still up small week over week. If you look at it, despite the move down 40 something percent today and another six percent in the after hours. But remember that this was a restructuring story last year and this was a story that really you know there are uh, it, it on some level it sounds a lot like an amc or a gamestop i mean there are secular reasons why people don't need to go to uh, bed bath and beyond anymore and and on top of that there's been a, a a burn and a balance sheet issue uh it's a it's a nasty combination um and it's not a stock that i would be speculating in either direction at this point
1: yeah julie what's your take on this whole thing
3: yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think we're not even trading on fundamentals anymore. It's just noise. And if you do start to look at the fundamentals of this business, it's, it's exactly right. It's you know, something that just isn't, doesn't have the same level of relevance. You don't need a box that big anymore to really work. And I think the competition that they feel from Amazon and other players, it, it's just brutal. So I think even just from a pure fundamental standpoint, the balance sheet is a mess. It's not something we would be interested in.
1: All right, again, the stock is down by more than 5%. Remember, summer Friday after hours, so it's gonna get whipped around here. Um, Let's move on here. As they say, it ain't over until the fat lady sings. I guess they do say that. Um, I don't. We've got another week of earnings (laughs) on deck. Big names like Nvidia, Salesforce, Toll Brothers, and more to set to report what's the number one stock. Mm. You are watching, Steve Grasso.
2: Yeah, it's, it's impossible to say number one, but we have to for the show. I'm interested in everything on that board, but I'm interested to see what a firm looks like with their partnership with Amazon. They've been a high multiple stock. I want to see what fintech looks like going into next week. I also want to see what uh, Nordstrom's looks like as well.
1: Yeah. Tim?
4: NVIDIA. And the fat man can sing as well, by the way. So, um, and I think NVIDIA's case. we should say. Um, or look, why, why do we have to say fat? fat <laughs> somebody sing. somebody Absolutely. sings. Somebody Absolutely. And it signals the and, end. And I'll call. Uh, Yeah, and I'll call NVIDIA a fat cat in the last run of the market. I mean, clearly this was the high tech, uh, high momentum, high growth and and high almost technology name. And we already got we have numbers out of out of NVIDIA. We got them a couple weeks ago. They weren't great. Uh, A lot of it's in the stock, but I still want to hear on data center, which is actually a bright spot. uh, And I still want to hear some of the other trends that they started to articulate gaming down massively uh, and some of the other leading edge technologies. We will benefit uh, in the semi space from hearing from NVIDIA, who I think most people want to believe in.
1: Yeah, Julie, you're really focused on a read on the consumer.
3: Yeah, I think understanding how Burlington and the other retailers reporting next week it's better getting a sense of how is the high-income consumer doing, how is the low-income consumer doing. I've generally been more favorable towards off-price because typically those are a little bit more resistant in any kind of economic downturn. And those guys have been really hurting for inventory, and I think they're going to have a wave of it. But the numbers out of Ross were not super inspiring, particularly for the low-income consumer. And so I'm worried they all get squeezed by inflation.
1: Yeah, you're also watching a firm like Grasso.
3: Yeah, because so much of their downgrade, all of their earnings have really been swept away by write downs. And I mean, write downs at 3.5 percent unemployment is not a great sign. All right.
1: It is time for a final trade on a Friday. That went fast. Tim Seymour, kick it off.
4: sure did it was fun mel um so have a good weekend and i would go with xle some of the same reasons why warren could not is necessarily going to increase his stake in oxy to 50 percent or why the top end of the oxy the xle you want to own its balance sheet its dividends its debt buybacks and an ability to be very profitable even at oil prices twenty dollars
1: lower
3: julie beal i like bentley systems this is an infrastructure software play it's vertical focus much less cyclical end markets and it's been around since the 80s i like that Steve Grasso.
2: I'm really curious as to see how Powell is going to manage his side piece, you know, for the next month or so, as Julie said in the side opening piece? of the show. Well, that's what Julie said, right? It was a side mistress. piece. Is
1: that the same thing? Yeah, Do she I said, said side piece. piece.
2: I don't know Mr. W-A-R-K, West Rock. Julie, right? You said side piece.
1: Is that, is <laughs> that what piece. people <laughs> refer to their mistresses as? This sounds like a very yeah. bad, dangerous conversation. Show's <laughs> over. It was fun. Don't say it so surprisingly, Tim. That was fun. That does it for us here on Fast Money. Don't go anywhere. Options Action is up next.